So before I start this morning, does everybody have their spoon? If you do not have your spoon, put up your hand and we'll make sure you get one. But everybody needs a spoon this morning. Now as I look around the room, what I see are mature people. Now I'm not talking about age, I'm talking physically. We're mature people. We're past that physical growing state. And somewhere along the line, you have done what has needed to be done in order to grow physically. You have probably fed yourself. When you were a child, mom fed you. And as you got older, you began to feed yourself. If you were as blessed as I was, mom had dinner on the table, lunch available. My mom would step out onto the front porch and scream out, Peter, Andrew, and my full name. (laughs) (laughs) And we knew that it was time to come in for lunch or dinner. And her voice could carry all the way down to the end of the block. We lived in one of these neighborhoods where if you did something wrong, by the time you got home, everybody already knew about it. (laughs) But we learned to feed ourselves. And all of us have grown in physical stature. But can you say the same about your spiritual stature? Are you growing? Are you feeding yourself? You see, for the survey that we did, oh, it's been a couple months now, a few people on the survey said, I don't feel like I'm growing spiritually. I don't feel like I'm being fed. Hmm. That says to me, I'm not doing a good enough job providing the meal. See, because I can't really feed you. I cannot force it down your throat. That old adage, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Well, I can put the food in front of you. I can bring the food with me every day and every Sunday. It's this book called the Bible. There's our food. And I can bring this food here every single Sunday. And I can present it to you as I'm going to do today. But it's up to you to take your spoon and feed yourself. Sometimes when you look around and you see someone in need, maybe what you need to do is feed your neighbor with your spoon. So we're going to talk for the next while. And I don't mean a while today. I mean in the next few weeks, many weeks. We're going to talk about how to feed yourself. What you have to do to feed yourself. So this spoon is going to come in handy because we're going to talk about God's promises. See, God's promises is part of our food. And God has made these promises so that we can take in those promises of food into our bodies and claim them and allow them to grow us spiritually. And that's what we're going to do. So we're going to look at God's promises. And God has these promises because this is what God wants to do for us. God's promises aren't there for God's benefit. God's promises are for our benefit. So that we can say, God promised it. I am taking that promise within me and I am living that promise. 
Because God didn't need the promise. We need the promises. So we're going to feed ourselves with the promises of God. Now, many of us have made lots of promises. Oh, I I promise, Mom, if you buy me this, I will never ask for anything again. (laughs) That promise didn't get fulfilled. Because we probably asked for something within another few hours. I promise, though, if you give me this one thing, I'll never ask for another toy. I'll never ask for another anything. But a promise is an assuring statement. Whether it's written down or said orally, we, we thankfully have all the promises, the thousands of promises that God has made in writing before us in our word of God to claim. And these promises say most times something that God will do if we will do. Many of us have made promises in the way of vows, standing with the one we love. And we promise to do something with the one we love, to love them forever. But you see, promises are only as good as the one who is making the promise. A three-year-old promising to never ask for anything again doesn't have a lot of power. It's kind of cute. But God making a power, a promise, has all the power of God behind those promises. Yes. If we need to remind ourselves, Titus 1-2 says, God cannot lie. So if God is making a promise, that promise is going to be fulfilled. And there's no doubt about it. We can have confidence in a God who never lies, in a God who is all-powerful, in a God who is all-knowing. We can be assured that the promises will be fulfilled. And not all promises in the scriptures are for everyone. God had some very specific promises for very specific people. I don't claim the promise that your descendants would be as numbers as the stars, because that would mean getting pregnant and it's not going to (laughs) happen. But for Abraham, that was a a right-on promise for him and for Sarah. And then there were promises that were made for everyone, as in our reading today, not one word has failed of all God's good promises, which God spoke through God's servant Moses. Solomon is reminding the people, God fulfills God's promises, and they're for everyone. Some promises might be conditional. If you do this, then I will do that, as we find in the book of Deuteronomy. But there are also some promises that are unconditional. For God so loved the world that God gave the only Son, that whoever, there's no condition there. There's absolutely no condition in that word. Whoever 
believes will be saved. That's a promise that's for everyone. So the question you have to ask yourself, and as you look at your spoon, and by the way, in your bulletin, if you look on page two underneath where it says sermon, we are now leaving you a little space for note-taking. Because if you're going to feed yourself, when you leave here, you need to remember what to feed yourself with. So as, we're, as I'm talking about these promises and what you can do to claim that promise in your life, feel free to make some notes down here. There should be pencils in the seat pockets in front of you so that when you get home and you're looking at your bulletin and you're looking at the spoon, you'll be reminded, yes, this is what I need to be eating this morning. So the first question you need to ask yourself this morning is, am I willing to put God's promises to work in my life? As I said, I can give you this information. You now have to choose. This is your choice. Are you going to take this information and feed yourself this information so it helps you to grow spiritually? And there are over 30,000 promises. No, we're not going to cover all 30,000. Aren't you happy? And by the way, this is not a God issue. This is a you issue. God has put the promises out there. God has made the promises. God's already fulfilled many of them. And it's up to you. Are you going to snag on to these promises and claim them in your own life and feed them to yourself. And when you hear these promises, are you willing to do what God asks you to do? Because remember, some of those promises are, if you do this, I do that. Or if I do that, then you need to do this. Some of them are conditional. Are you ready to meet those conditions? Are you ready to fulfill your part of the promise in your relationship with God. Remember, God is not asking us to be perfect. But God is looking for us to move forward in our relationship. God's not wanting to still deal with us as we are infants drinking the milk of salvation. God is looking for us to be chewing on the meat of the word of God. Are you ready to follow God in those times of progress, even when you stumble and fall? Are you prepared to ask forgiveness when you falter? Are you ready to stay in the battle? Because in succeeding in the battle, you will become spiritually stronger. So this morning, we're going to take a moment to look at a promise that God has given us. And it's, again, our Matthew reading from this morning, which I will read again. In case you've forgotten it in the last few minutes, ask and it will be given to you. Search and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. Notice there's a part for you to do and there's a part that God's going to do. You've got to ask, you've got to search, and you've got to knock. If you want this promise to be filled in your life, because God says, if you ask, you receive. If you search, you will find. And if you knock, the door will be opened. But you've got to do your part to get God's part. 
you ever remember a time in your life in which you might have been using a walkie-talkie? Maybe you were a kid. And you're yelling into the walkie-talkie. And you realize they don't hear you no matter how hard you yell because you didn't push the button. You're yelling at this little device in your hand and all you're doing is getting frustrated because you didn't push a button. You couldn't figure out how to get it to work, so your first thought was, oh, it's broken, and you're ready to throw it away. We are not broken people. Our lives may seem at times to be broken, but we have one who will fix them. Maybe there are times where you just didn't know what button to push. Although some of you are real good at pushing buttons. <laughs> some of you know each other's buttons really well. But there are, I'm talking about the button to connect yourself with God. Maybe the item isn't broken, it's just user error. So this morning we're going to get rid of some of that user error. And we can apply this when it comes to prayer. And prayer, folks, let's, let's, let's take the mystery out of that word. Let's take the angst out of that word. Prayer is nothing more than communicating with God. Most of you sat in here earlier when you were greeting each other and you had kind words to say each other and you, were, you said good morning to each other. You know what? You can do the exact same thing with God. Good morning, God. Thank you for this wonderful day you've put before me. There's a prayer. It wasn't hard. But a prayer is communicating with God. And sometimes in our lives, we wonder, how come God's not answering my prayer? God promises to answer them. But how come I'm not getting an answer? Well, are you remembering to ask? Did you do the ask part? Did you say to God... God, this is what I need. God, this is what is necessary in my life. God, this is where I see myself going. Is this where you want me to go? Are you asking? So when you're thinking about, why is God not answering my prayer? Is it because you really didn't ask? You're thinking that God's going, you're assuming that God's just going to answer something that hasn't been asked. I always reminded my students when I was teaching, the only dumb question is the one you walk out of the room with and you didn't get the answer for. During our time of Bible study on Wednesday night, we've been talking now for weeks for on prayer. And someone said, is there a wrong way to pray? And I said, there's only one, the prayer you don't pray. It doesn't matter how you pray. You could be laying on the floor, you can be sitting in a chair, you could be lying in the bed, you can be sitting in a rocker, you can be laying out on the front lawn, staring up at the clouds. You can have your eyes closed, you can have your eyes open, you can have your head up, you can have your head down, you can have your hands over your head, you can have an object in your hand. It does not matter. The ask just needs to be asked. We need to ask God. So if you don't ask, there's nothing to answer. We also need to consider, as we're looking and waiting for God to answer the prayer, 
Am I asking in faith? Matthew 21 tells us to ask in faith. So I can imagine we're out there praying, now God, I know you're really not going to do this, but this is what I need. Huh? God, I'm asking you to do this. Not, don't, don't be telling God God's not going to do it before you're even given a chance for God to do it. Ask with faith, because God promises to answer our prayers. Ask with faith that God's going to answer it. Don't go into your prayers already in doubt. Are you asking without there being selfish motives? James chapter 4 tells us to pray with pure motives. Are you asking for something that would be self God, I, I want to win the lottery. I want to win the big one because I want a really big house. And I want a really flashy car. Are those the right notice to be asking prayers for? Are you asking according to God's will? God, I ask these things because I believe that you will answer my prayers, but in all of my prayers, I ask that your will be done in heaven as it is here on earth. Are you praying with the right attitudes? You know, when it comes to prayer, there's usually two issues that humans have. And I'm going to be real blunt out there. Sometimes we think prayer is really hard to do. We think that we have to give hours of time every day. And praise God for those who are able to do that. But a five-minute prayer, a five-sentence prayer, is just a one-sentence prayer is just as valid to God as the person that's able to pray for hours without ceasing. God doesn't have a limit or an extension to the prayers. God's not up there going, oh, look at that. Tess only prayed one sentence. Well, I can't answer that because God doesn't do that. God is going to honor Tess's one-sentence prayer just as much as God might answer the prayer of Luke, who's been on his knees for an hour. God will honor our prayers when we're asking them in in faith, when we're trusting that we're asking with God's will. I always find it funny when people come to me and say, now, Pastor, I need you to pray for me. Okay, what do you want me to pray for? Well, I just want you to pray for my life. Okay, I need a job. Okay, I can pray for you get a job. Have you filled out any applications? Well, no, pastor, but God's going to get me a job. (laughs) Don't you need to think you need to fill out a couple of job applications so God might know which one you want? So I believe in specific prayer. There was a time in my life where I said to God, God, I really want someone in my life, but I don't want to have to go through all that dating stuff. I don't want to go to bars to find someone. I don't want to have to be going to some of these places where I shouldn't be going, but bring someone to my life. I would like someone who's a Christian, and then in my life comes Darlene. God will answer those prayers. Be specific. Lord, I've applied to such and such place. I believe I have the talent to do such and such a kind of work. Help me find a job in that field. Lord, I'd like a house. 
I'd like it to have at least one working bathroom. That's important to some of us, a working bathroom. I'd like it to be a place where others could feel welcome. And I want to feel safe in my house. Those are specific prayers that God can honor. But often we say, oh, it's just too hard. (coughs) Sometimes it is hard to ask for prayer. And sometimes it's hard to ask for help. And for many of us, we look at prayer as if we are asking God for help. God's there for us. We have already been told that God wants us to have abundant lives. Doesn't mean we're going to be millionaires. Doesn't mean we're going to have a mansion. Doesn't mean we're going to be having a car in which someone's driving us around in a limousine. But God wants us to have abundant lives, especially a spiritual abundant life. And I know myself that I, stubborn me, I have a hard time sometimes asking for help. One of the hardest things was for me when I was at conference, because that conference hall was huge. And to get from where we slept at night to where the conference was held, I was putting miles a day on my poor knee. And someone came along one day, and I was toting some stuff I needed to take with me. And they just walked up to me and said, let me help you with that. And they took the bag from my shoulder and they carried it all the way to the conference hall for me. But you see, I was too stubborn to ask anyone for help. Don't be stubborn to ask God for help. God's just waiting to hear from you. Don't be stubborn. You know, we all grew up in a, in, in a life here in the United States in which we've heard for a long, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. We've all grown up hearing this. If you were like me and I was in this uh, humanities class in high school, they even had cartoon pictures that was part of an advertisement proposing this, these words to people. Pull yourself up by your own bootstrap. And here's this cartoon character sitting in his chair, putting on oversized work boots, emphasizing, do what you need to do to make yourself better. Pull yourself up. But God's also saying, ask, and you will receive. Search, and you will find. God's not telling us that everything has to be done under our own power, because guess what? We don't have enough power. Allow God to give you the power to fulfill those promises. Now, I know the, the one of the, you know, there's some big words in our community that are just no, no words. The big C, commitment. <gasps> and then there's the big E, exercise. Yeah. Not one of our favorite words, but I'm not talking about exercising at the gym. I'm talking about here your spiritual exercise. Because you see, prayer is a spiritual exercise. You know, if you watch these guys who like to lift weights, they didn't start out looking the way they are now. Their muscles weren't as big as you might have been seeing them. But it took time for them to start with maybe 40 pounds, and then they went to 60 pounds. And then they maybe went to 100 pounds. 
And some of these crazy weightlifters in contests weigh, lift 500 pounds and their muscles are so big their shirts don't fit anymore. And they had to exercise. Well, if you're going to pray, if you're waiting for God to answer you, you need to exercise your prayer. You need to do it so that it becomes a habit. Now, Nowhere in the world, except for in your church, will you find someone say to you, exercise your prayer. Whether you call yourself a Christian or a spiritual person, prayer is still part of the life of the individual. And it's something that becomes a daily activity. Now, why might we not want to pray? Because the exercise is hard. And there are lots of excuses of why we shouldn't pray. Oh, I'm too busy. I don't have time to slow down enough to even speak a prayer to God. I love arrow prayers. And all of you have been hearing this for eight years now. Arrow prayers. One sentence. You know, something's going on. I see the people that are missing here today. You know, and I've already said our prayers for many of the people that are already missing. Or as we saw, knew that there were some police next door. I already sent up a prayer for whatever was going on over there. Whether someone was hurt or something was illegal or protecting the police. Those were our prayers. Just one little sentence. I didn't have to sit down, get in my favorite chair, have a book in my lap. I just spit out those sentences. Mostly I just did it mentally. And yes, mental prayers are fine. Everything doesn't have to be said out loud. That's just another way to practice. Sometimes we're just faithless. We just don't believe that God's going to answer. We lack confidence in God. We forget this promise that says, ask and you will receive. It seems sometimes our excuse is, well, God's just too far away. God's not concerned about my little life here on this little planet. Ask, and you will receive. It doesn't say you have to wait till you get here. Because there are many who feel that when they come here, there must be some... You know, maybe one of these light things turn into this special conduit that takes your prayer up through the light and then up through the wires and up through the ceiling and up to God, where in reality we can pray anywhere. So we don't have to necessarily be here. We can be anywhere. Sometimes we don't pray because we just don't know enough about prayer. God's not asking us all to go get PhDs in prayer. And I'm certainly not going back to school for another degree. (laughs) If you're not sure about prayer, here's your instruction manual. If you need something, (laughs) believe it or not, I actually have a book in my office called Prayer for Dummies. (laughs) It's one of those, those same line of books that, and it goes through all the different components of prayer. So there are plenty of places where you can find information. 
Philippians 4 reminds us that God wants to supply us with all of our needs. That's something you don't need to be ignorant about. And that God, according to Ephesians, wants to provide for us exceedingly, abundantly, beyond all that we could possibly ask or even think about. God's ready. Sometimes we don't pray because of the sin in our lives. Maybe the first part of your prayer needs to be, God, forgive me. And then you go on with the rest of it. Because I truly believe that when we have sin in our life, it's a barrier between us and God. Sometimes I, okay, I'm weird. I visualize sin sometimes as being cotton in God's ears. And because of my sin, God can't hear me until I say that word, forgive me. Because those words go through anything. They're like special power words. God, forgive me. And that cotton falls out of God's ears and God knows everything I need. and can hear everything I'm saying. Sometimes we don't pray because we're too prideful. I don't need help. I am very self-sufficient. I am self-satisfied. I am self-righteous, so I don't need to pray. Right then and there you realize you need to pray. We pray because we can. Sometimes we, pr- we don't pray because we think we can handle everything on our own. I've been there. I've got the T-shirt. It doesn't work. We need God in our lives. Sometimes we're inexperienced. I just don't know how to pray. Then you need to be at Bible study on Wednesday nights, 7 o'clock. Because we're doing a whole series on praying. How to pray, giving tips on how to pray, giving a methodology for how to pray so it kind of keeps you on track when you're praying. Just as no one in this room, unless you're some kind of prodigy, was born knowing the ABCs, none of us were born knowing how to pray. We had to learn it. Just like we had to learn our ABCs. And unfortunately, the biggest excuse, the hardest one, is that we're lazy. We don't make the effort. We're not willing to put away those few minutes and say, okay, I'm going to take these few minutes and, and pray. We're not willing to give up that time. It just, it's just so much easier to be a couch potato. Or maybe it's just more important to meet your friends at the show or whatever you're doing. So how do we put this promise of God to work in our lives? And this is the important part of today's lesson. Because I don't want to just leave it with, go pray. You know, there are many times where I've been, especially as a teacher, to workshops, and someone would come along and say, this is what you need to do in your classroom. I actually had someone, uh, uh, we had some folks come to our school uh, and so this was, uh, let's see, I've been here now for eight and a half years. Um, so there, oh, this has got to be 20 years ago. So, and this group, this group was very adamant that Holocaust studies was taught in the school. So they came to our school district, and they were visiting each and every school, and they were trying to tell us, now you all need to be teaching 
about the Holocaust in every single one of your disciplines. Okay, and here I am, an eighth grade science teacher. Okay, what am I going to do? Teach on how the ovens worked? Maybe I teach the chemical formula of the gas. This is not something I need to be teaching to a bunch of eight-year-olds. But you see, they left there telling us what to do, but not how to do it. They gave none of us the slightest idea how we're to go about teaching Holocaust studies to a bunch of 10, 11, and 12, and 13-year-olds without having 10, 11, 12, and 13-year-olds going home in terror and crying because of the horrors of the Holocaust. They ignored that part of it. So this morning before you leave here, I want you to know how to put the power of God's promise to work in your life. How can we really experience answered prayers in our lives? Number one, take an honest look at yourself and whatever your excuses you're using for not praying. Look within. Look within your heart. Look within your head. You know, it might need to be look within your calendar on your phone. What's filling up that calendar that you've left no time for God? Take an honest look at the excuses that you use for not praying. And your first prayer should be, and here's where you can put it to work, God, help me overcome my excuses. If you know that you don't pray, that you're not hearing God's answered prayers because you don't pray, because you have 101 excuses, your first prayer is going to be, God, help me to overcome my excuses. The second way to put God's power to work when it comes to answered prayer is to keep a list of what you're praying for. By now, most of you know I love little journal books. Bob has gotten me many of them. Every, probably every year I get someone who gives me a new one and I get to, this one, why this one I don't use for prayer, this one I use for sermon preparation, the entire, every single page is used up in this book. But I do have a book that I use for my prayer time. And I've got it divided up into the four, what I believe are the four most important components of prayer. I start in my adoration of God. I'm reminded God, the great physician, or God, the great creator. Then I have time of confession, and I actually write down the things that I need to confess. Because when I look at it the next day, I want to remember, okay, if I, am I still doing that same sin, or have I overcome that sin through God's help? Then I pray and write down all my thanksgivings that I have for God. Now, sometimes that can make a bit, take a couple pages. But I also might divide it up. So one day I might be praying for my family. 
One day I'm going to pray for my church. Maybe on Wednesday I pray for my community so that my prayer doesn't become just a routine and boring. So I divide it up. But I make a list. And then I pray for the petitions in my life. Those things that I need help with and for others, such as many of the people put on today's, today's prayer page. The one uh, asking prayer for Peter for successful reconstructive ankle surgery, that's my brother. He's having his ankle completely reconstructed. The one for Mercy, who is recovering from reconstructive foot surgery. That was one of my friends that came up from Florida and stood up with Darlene and I at our wedding. The one for Tina, asking for recovery from knee replacement surgery. We were having a race, and she won, and she got hers replaced first. Well, this is a friend of mine from right here in the community that, that attends St. Paul's UCC. So just as I wrote them on there, you're going to find those same prayers in my prayer book. Keep a list. Now, there might be some days that you look back at your list, and every once in a while I'll go back and I'll look at the prayers, and I'll check off the ones that God has answered. You know, I've already talked to Tina. She's doing really well, doing much better than she thought she would. So I can give it a half check right now. She's not back to work yet, but God is already working on the healing of her knee. So when I go back and check, it's like, praise God for answered prayer. Because I'm seeing it right there in front of me. I don't have to wonder if God's answering my prayers. I see it right before me in my little journal. Now, some of you might rather do this on a computer. Whatever works for you. But the last way to get the power of God's prayer to work in your life is to memorize Matthew 7, 7 and 8. And if you can't remember any more of it, just remember, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open. Those are how you put prayer and God's promise of answered prayer into your life and make it a part of your life so that you can grow as a spiritual child of God. Amen. Amen.